it's raining. Like it was really bad there for a second, but then I realized because Josh put our modem in our basement, so I realized he put in like a extender modem in the boys room which is closer to me so I had to switch to that modem and I didn't even realize it okay that makes sense I'm here and it's happening yeah yeah we're just like 45 minutes late (laughs) listen I wanted to eat steak I haven't had a good steak in a while (laughs) so priorities you know how do you like your steak medium rare same I mean, to all those vegans, sucks to be you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> right. Just kidding. I don't have steak very often. I'd say I have it like maybe maybe a couple times a year. That's it. I think we have it every three or four months. Yeah. So it's like a, a treat. <laughs> you know, it's like we do that for our anniversary a lot of the time. We do it. Yeah. For- big dinners I don't know like Josh just couldn't find a rotisserie chicken at the grocery store so he bought a couple steaks instead (laughs) that works fine but some people though like some people eat steak for every meal I don't know how they can afford it I don't know unless you like get the I mean there's cheaper ones but the good ones are more expensive yeah but it's like why eat anything else I know <laughs> when why, you know why be an idiot and eat the freaking New York strip those are the worst no those are the best no they're not the juicy they are the cheapest are the ones but- are the ribeyes Ribeye is really good too. They're just the juiciest every time. You get yours from Costco? Uh, this time it was from Smith's. Oh, so we don't have a Smith's out here. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Yeah. Our meat selection is really bad. I'll say yeah. that. Like a lot of people out here usually just buy their meat from like local butchers, like from the farms. What? We're buying half a cow. Oh, you are? And fill yeah. the freezer because it's going to last us forever. So Yeah. It's kind of the way to go. It's really. just because the price of meat fluctuates so much and it's more organic. If we buy it that way, it's not, you know. Better quality. Better, way better quality. And you know where it's coming from. It's not like super processed and all that stuff. It's How much was it for half of a cow? Um, it's a lot, um, but we're splitting it with a couple people. I think Adam, Josh's friend, is getting some, and then like our parents, and I think Heather and Steve talked about getting <clears throat> some. So nice. we're kind of divvying it out, but it's like $2,400 for half a cow. But you get like ribs, you get steaks, you get like hamburger, you get, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Can you hear the thunder? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. As long as it's not like interrupting, we're good. No, let it interrupt. Well, we, got, uh, we got a good review for the thunder. I know. <laughs> the best part of our freaking shows are natural reactions, like God's reacting to our story. I'm drinking this. Nice. Do you like that brand? Look, it's cheap. So, no. It's wine. It's okay. I prefer the tropical. What is it called? Tropical Islands or something? Moscato? I can't remember what it's called. Do you like the cupcake Moscato? I do like the cupcake, but not... I mean, it's all just kind of meh. I don't know. I like to mix it with Sprite and like a lemonade or something, but it's all right. I found a red wine that I really like, but I really? don't remember the name of it. Yeah. Red wine is too dry for me. It was it was sweet Bitter. and it wasn't... It was on like the less... It was more wet. 
been trying. Or what? <laughs> it's not. It wasn't too bad, but nice. Anyway, and where did you find this wine? Um, my friend Nikki told me about it because she knows I don't like dry wines. Yeah. But so I don't usually go for red wines, and so she suggested it, and it was it's really good. Like and I you can't remember the name of it. I it's, not, it's in my kitchen. I just don't okay. remember. That. I I took a picture of it, and then I walked it into the liquor store, and I was like, okay, just help me find this. I don't know what it is. So. I feel like that's how you have to find the good wines. You know, yeah. is by recommendation. Because I walked in a few weeks ago and just got like some sparkling wine that I thought oh this looks good and I tasted it and it was the worst thing I've ever had in my entire life it's like it looks pretty so it must be good and no right no no it was disgusting so I'll bring some next time I see you and you can try it it comes in a smaller bottle not like the small bottles but it's like not as tall as this and it's I don't know. I'll send you a picture of it because I can't remember what it's called. Well, you'll have to put a picture on Instagram for the people listening too. Okay. Yeah. If you guys care. (laughs) If they're listening, they care a little bit. They have to a little, right? Um, So welcome to episode 24. Welcome to episode 24. Does it feel like we should be farther in by now, though? Feels like it should be like in the 40s to me. I mean, yes and no. But also the other day I was looking at it. and I'm like, we have 23 episodes. I know. It's a lot. That's a lot of stories. That's like a whole season of something. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It usually is 23 episodes. And some of the stories I forget I've done and then I go back and look at our list and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But like, yeah, you know, like how I did the solitaire, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that story. Like, yeah. that's why I know more about it now. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's coming to the solitaire, by the way? Who? Paramore. Oh, really? Yeah. When? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. We'll have, to, we'll have to go get backstage <laughs> passes. Yeah. So my story, um, I did last second. I've been sick with COVID. So yeah. I was going to say, I, like, I heard your cough. It sounds like you're wheezing. Uh. Like my cough isn't that bad, but what's annoying is the congestion. The congestion makes me feel like I can't breathe and it makes me panic. If I'm sitting there and I can't breathe, I have to walk around because it like, I just can't do it. So I'm okay all as well. But now Axel and Levi aren't feeling great. So that kind of sucks. But what can you do? Do Have you had a fever? No, the kids have, but Josh hasn't. I haven't. And it's it's funny because it just feels like a regular a regular cold, except the migraine was a nightmare. I've never had a migraine that bad and it lasted two days. Wow. And it was just the worst. And so yeah, it was just really bad. But other than that, it feels like a regular cold. You know what's crazy is I remember back in it was like I think it was July of 2020, back when COVID was still trying to be like understood, you know. Yeah. And they had me out of work for almost a week and a half because they're waiting for a PCR test. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had all the symptoms, but the PCR test came back negative. So what's weird to me is that like, I've been sick in the last two years, but I've never tested positive for COVID. This is my first time testing positive for COVID. 
And I feel, well, I kind of gave it to myself, to be honest, because Josh had COVID and I was like being annoying and pestering him. He felt yeah. fine, but I was pestering him because so I got it. And Josh was like, I don't even feel bad for you. And I had my migraine and I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I'm not the smartest. I kind of didn't expect to get it because I haven't gotten it this far. And I didn't have my immunization last time Josh got it and I didn't get it. So I was like, oh, oh. I must be immune to this like there's yeah. no way i i got it really got quick it. after interesting yeah so you're doing okay huh yeah i'm fine that's I could, good i could do without the congestion but other than that isn't it crazy how like our attitude towards covid has completely changed though yeah <clears throat> like in the beginning it was like oh my gosh like i hope you don't die i know right <laughs> but now it's like oh yeah you got uh, a cold, big whoop, get over in it. In a week or two. <laughs> Just stay away from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember being so scared. And, yeah. like, there was reason to be scared. You know, people were dying. Yeah. There's a lot of like, uncertainty with it. Yeah, the unknown and, like, the hype and not understanding, like, what it is. And then, anyway, it's all, it, it turned political when I feel like it could have just been, like, if we would have treated it like it was a flu, like a highly contagious, serious flu, I feel like it would have gone over okay, but it turned so political that, like, now, if anyone brings up COVID or masks or whatever, everyone's like, I have something to say. <laughs> yeah, or everybody rolls their eyes, like, oh, great. Right. Yeah, like this like, conversation again. Well, so. I think it was serious enough for a lot of people because like there were people who got it and died from it. But like, I don't know. I just feel like it could have been more medically focused instead of so political. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I feel like everything these days is so political and so controversial, no matter what it is. It just yeah. gets turned into let's fight about it yeah and it's like can we just take things seriously for like two seconds right it's just not like have to have opinions about it just look at it for what it is yeah move on seriously though anyway anyway welcome to episode 24 (laughs) yeah we've survived it's all good yep april's still kicking yeah so far we'll see if i get hit by lightning though it'd be (laughs) something you can post on instagram and be like hey look how funny this was yeah we almost made it to 25 episodes (laughs) but again technical difficulties (laughs) (laughs) right like there's a never-ending supply of technical difficulties every single episode yeah it's ridiculous there's something that goes wrong every time but that's because we're amateurs and we don't care to get better at it well we we will care when we have money to care right now it's just kind of like you get what you get you don't throw a fit (laughs) it the episode might suck but it also might be amazing. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for when that happens. <laughs> yep. Okay. So a lot of my sources are from YouTube. So News Nation Prime, Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, Duty Ron, East Idaho News, um, all from YouTube. And then, oh, uh, let's see, Tyler Feller from YouTube, and then KSL TV and... Missing in America Network.com, heavy.com, and Facebook groups, which I'll tell you about the Facebook group in a second. But this is the story of Dylan Rounds' missing person. Have you heard of him? Dylan Rounds? Yeah. I wish I looked into this earlier because I've seen it, but I haven't read into it. And I wish I would have because this story, I don't know. 
it gives me um like susan powell vibes oh really i mean not not as <clears throat> there's not so many involved in the story yeah. you know but just the sheer fact of disappearance of like no trace yeah there's somebody who knows something and it's freaking insane okay so dylan rounds is 19 years old he dreamed of owning his own farm and growing his own crops she said i know who this is yeah okay yeah. i didn't realize what the last name was but now i i know who you're talking about okay this is a very recent story wow okay sorry go ahead dylan saved up uh doing farm work on his <coughs> father's farm in northern idaho so he could own his own farm one day once he saved up enough dylan partnered with his grandpa and bought a, a patch of land in lucen utah lucen is in west utah north of wendover okay like up in that top corner yeah of utah yeah. top it's kind of all desert and like not much like, there. no one goes there but i've never been there so you know so it's kind of close to the utah nevada border but north of wendover okay so dylan was really excited for the pen potential of his own patch of land and had the crops that he wanted to grow there he put so much so many hours and heart into this land that there's no way he'd take his eye off that land for a second but then on monday may 30th 2022 so just a month and a half ago on memorial day candace cooley dylan's mom got a call from her son's friend jd and he said well just ask have you seen Dylan? Have you heard from Dylan? And she said no. And she knew it was unlike him to go more than a couple of days without talking to his mom, his dad, or his grandparents. Candace instantly knew that something wasn't right. Dylan had been working super hard to get his crops planted and ready for the coming rain because he knew there was going to be a storm. So he was working like nights trying to get his seed planted. Yeah. She knew that he would have called with an update on how that was going, but he never did. The last person to speak to Dylan was his grandma when she called Dylan early Sunday morning or sorry Saturday morning May 28th at 6 51 a.m. He had already been working and he it was just a quick short conversation and he told his grandma hey I gotta go I'm trying to get the seed planted or no he was trying to put his seed truck away before the rain ruined it he had it under a tarp but it wasn't a great tarp so he wanted to put it in the shed before the rain came got it so he said that he'd call her back and he never did okay. so with worry growing his family drove from idaho to lucen utah they uh assumed that he had been hurt while planting his seeds and that they'd show up and he'd be like bit by a rattlesnake or he'd be right. like a broken leg like or he, something yeah like he like fell under his tractor or something yeah so he like they were like he probably is just stuck somewhere and just can't reach his phone whatever which is also a scary possibility right exactly but once they reached his his uh farm they got to his camper and found that it had been abandoned the truck hadn't moved in days and he and okay so the land was all kind of dirt fields right because he just planted you know right. so there would have been with the rain that had fell over the weekend there would have been tracks from the truck footprints in around his trailer camper trailer as well as his truck right no tracks at all not even from the truck but the truck 
looked like it had been pressure washed. Not only the truck, but also the tires and the rims and everything because they could see the streaks from the pressure washer. And the dirt around the truck had also been pressure washed to hide any tracks. That is really strange. Right. Once they got the truck open, so, okay, uh, Dylan's mom and dad, which I believe are split up as far as I understand, but they were together on their way to, or from Idaho to Utah to his farm. And which I have to say, being 19 years old and running your own farm completely by yourself is absolutely amazing. Like, yeah. He is, yeah. he's one dedicated dude. But and and he like where did he get the money to buy his own farm? Oh, he had been working on farms since he turned sixteen, oh. and so he saved up, and then his grandpa partnered with him to, to oh, yeah. buy the land. Yeah, That's so awesome. okay. That's awesome. I know. Isn't that crazy? So, and he worked day in and day out since he was 16 years old. And he was trusted in other people's farms to help them with their equipment, that he would drive trucks for them. And that's not normal as far as I understand is that it's not normal for other farmers to trust kids to help on their farm in that capacity but he had done so well that everyone in Idaho in those farms because he worked on his dad's farm he worked on neighbors farms and they were all like he's born to do this like he works so hard you know like he doesn't stop and he's always on time he's never like lazy and so they're like he's born to be in this life right Right. so that's how he got the money to get this land but anyway so on their way from Idaho to Utah, they had called and filed a missing persons report because the friend JD had said, he's not anywhere. I can't reach him. He's never like not called me back. Like there's something. Yeah. Wrong. And so on their way from Idaho, they call, file a missing persons report. The police are there once they get there at the farm in Lucen. That's when they find that the, you know, the weird pressure wash truck, the trailer hadn't been opened, and the search starts. So while police and fire and rescue um, in the area are searching the land, I think it was like a three and a half to four mile radius around the camper is where they searched. And while that was happening, the parents are like asking the police, hey, we can't find his key. Should we break into his truck? And the detective was like, well, I mean, it's your truck, so do what you want with it. So they broke a window, which I think they probably should have processed it. Yeah, so there's fingerprints or something. Exactly. So they broke the back window just because they wanted to see if there was anything going on in the truck. Like any, Yeah, like if you're panicking, like, where is he? And like, I gotta get into this truck. Right. As a mom, I could see myself breaking the window. I would want to break the window also. And so they broke it open. And the first thing that they realize is that the driver's side is pushed too far forward for him to be the driver of the truck so it wasn't in the right position for what he would be driving it at so they're like that's weird that's off and then 90 minutes into the initial search they find dylan's boots they're about five miles away from the camper trailer and they're kind of by like a a ditch that they use to like burn things like that's not good and stuff yeah so they find these boots and they're his only pair of boots that his dad's like uh he would have worn those probably another year so he wouldn't have just gone and gotten another pair of boots 
and they look like they've just been tossed there. Like they're not placed like someone just took them off and set them aside. They look like they've been tossed. Yeah. And so that's like the first piece of evidence that like really gets them scratching their heads because he wouldn't be anywhere without his boots. Right. <laughs> Out there his only Shoot. Especially where he was already on like a a time crunch to get his seeds in the ground. Yeah. Like he had he had a job to do. It's not like he was done or like was like in a lull where he mm-hmm. had time, yeah. you know, to go without him. That's really strange. Yeah, and so the family even thought maybe he's in the seed truck. Like maybe he fell in somehow. So the family searched the grain truck and not, like he wasn't in there. It's It was in the shed where he was trying to get it in when he was talking to his grandma. Right. So he made that he did that and completed that task. So now they're like, where the hell has he been? The last known communication is his grandma, but they're like trying to make a timeline of maybe where he had been before that. So let me open up really fast. Let's see. Da da da. Hold on. I had like gone off memory so far. I can't find where my notes are. Yeah. Good job. Jeez. It's a crazy story so far. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) But then they find out the last time someone actually saw Dylan with their own eyes It was Friday night, May 27th, so the night before, 30 miles away from his farm in Montello, Nevada. So he was in, sorry, it's a weird city name, Lucen. So he his farm's in Lucen, Utah. 30 miles away is Montello, Nevada. And he would normally go there because it's kind of one of the main towns in his area is the next one over was uh, that one in Nevada. So he would normally go there for gas, for supplies, for a hot meal, even like just to get, you know, fast food or or something. Right. So that's the last known sighting of him. And that was the night before they called in that he was missing. Yeah. Yes. Box elder detectives. So Lucin, Utah is in Box Elder County over in that corner. Those detectives, according to Candace, his mom, didn't process the truck and they let the family take the truck back to Idaho with them. But then scratch that because I think something else comes in the timeline that I don't think they made it all the way back to Idaho with it. But give me a sec with that. But they didn't, the box elder detectives didn't process the truck. They didn't process the trailer. So they didn't do forensic anything on anything. Uh, The boots. Yeah. The boots that they found weren't sent to a lab until six days after they found them. And the reason they said for that is because they're like, oh, well, we want to make sure that the cadaver dogs could use them for scent. But cadaver dogs don't use belongings for scent. They are literally only searching for the scent of a cadaver for a a dead body. So So they're given just like a bullshit answer of like, oh, you know, we don't want to do anything with it in case we need it for something else later. It's like, what do you mean, though? Yeah. Like, you need it now for like fingerprints or hair you know i really don't think the box elder county detectives took it seriously enough in the very beginning 
because it wasn't until like a few weeks later that the FBI got in, got involved and a lot of the stuff that the that his parents would send to the detectives and Box Elder they wouldn't like do anything with it I think they thought that he was like a runaway I think they thought that he like would show they up eventually left on his own yeah because he's this like 19 year old kid who's doing all this farm work by himself they're probably like oh he just wanted a break oh like he you know probably i feel like there needs to be a change in criteria don't you think yeah it's like he's 19 so like even if he did run away or like needed a break or whatever he's still not like he's still missing yeah like his truck is still there his belongings are still there that alone should show foul play don't you think yeah it shouldn't be like transportation as well as his shoes are there so where the heck did he go was his wallet left behind do you know no the only thing that they still can't find is his cell phone and his wallet so those are the things that are missing with him is the cell phone and the wallet and no pings from his cell phone since may 30th i think so anyway so candace had requested for tracking dogs to be used in the search so tracking dogs are they use the belongings ascent to follow right the cadaver dogs are literally only their only goal is to find a cadaver so she wanted to get these tracker dogs because she knew that they would be helpful in finding him they they kind of brushed her off and said like oh no it's it had rained so there's no way it's gonna work and She's like, but let's try it. Yeah. But it wasn't a high priority to the Fox Elder detectives. They're just like, nah, I don't think so. But this mom is just like, let's try anything. But now they've done all these searches with hundreds of people in the area that have walked all over the property that now them picking up that scent is probably going to be way harder than it would have been back in the beginning when he first went missing. Yeah. That's so heartbreaking. So box elder detectives not only brushed off the ideas of the family, but they also had declined help from the Elko County Sheriff's Office, which is the police in the Montello, Nevada city. They offered help to the box elder police department and didn't get any kind of inkling that they wanted help or that they were accepting help or anything like that for a long time, which my first, my first thought, which I kind of feel bad for thinking it, but my first thought was like, do they know something, you know, but was quickly like, I think they just didn't think it was as serious as it is. Probably what it is. I can't imagine what it is because like everyone in Lucin was like, yeah, he's a great guy. He works hard. He's quiet. He doesn't like go to the bars and like cause a scene. He's, He's just a hardworking guy. I mean, he was only 19, but like, can you imagine? I don't know. I just, I just think that he was well respected for being so young that the only, the only thing I can comprehend is someone who didn't know him. It was, it was like a crime of opportunity because I feel like if anyone knew him, he wouldn't be a target. Yeah, that's true. Because he didn't have money. He spent all his money on his farm. Right. And he was living in a camper trailer on the farm. Right. So it's like, who is he bothering? Yeah. Like, there's no one that I could see that he... Because he was so hyper-focused on his farm. I can't imagine what the motive would be other than, like a crime of opportunity but because the truck was power washed they had to have known where his power washer was on the farm unless he wasn't 
dead. Like if unless he he's being... not dead, I hope yeah. that is the case. I hope he's okay right. and he's right. just knocked out somewhere. So a really great timeline and information source for this case is missinginamericanetwork.com, and I'll share the link on what on our story when we post this this uh, or release this story. But it gives you a whole timeline of where what happened when. Um, right. And I didn't find it until oh there we go until like. <laughs> right before we were about to get on earlier and I was like this oh, is really? the best yeah so and I found it on the Facebook group for find Dylan let's see what is it called it's like find Dylan rounds official Facebook group which I will also provide a link for in our story when we post this this episode but yeah for uh, sure they give updates for not only the case but also if they do any search groups um, oh. so for the first few weeks they were posting search groups and when they were going where what to bring if you had it like uh atvs or gopros or drones or whatever yeah anyway so hundreds of people have been involved in that oh there's a rainbow okay so there's a few things that happened right before he went missing that are kind of important to know okay okay so may 25th the wednesday before he went missing dylan uh told his mom on the phone about a guy that he saw in the desert as he's driving from his farm to nevada to that town right so he's this guy and he just kind of pops out of nowhere in the middle of the desert he has no shoes on he's covered in like blood and he's just like asked him for a ride and says hey man can you take me to town so i can call my dad to get picked up and dylan told his mom that he didn't pick him up but dylan did in fact give the guy a ride his name is Chase Venstra. So this Chase Venstra ends up becoming a suspect in his disappearance. Okay. Right. Because it's like, what are you doing, guy? Yeah. What a weird thing, right? right? On May 26th, that was the last phone call he had with his mom and dad. So that was the last time he talked to them. Okay. Friday on the 27th, eyewitnesses locate him in Montello at a eatery of some kind where he was having some meal. And then the next day, the next morning, phone records show the, what is it called? The towers. Towers, yeah. So he it shows him back in his farm and he talked to his grandma that morning at 6 51 a.m about having to get his seed truck back in the shed right so we have visual sightings of him we have verbal communication with him then saturday may 28th at 3 41 was his last cell phone data ping to the tower so phone call with grandma at 6 51 a.m then a phone data ping at 3 41 p.m okay then 10 o'clock p.m. Within their investigation, they were able to confirm that Jay Spenstra, who was the a suspect at one time, right? The weird the guy that got picked up, right? Yeah, the weird desert bloody guy. He was seen on camera 200 miles away from Lucin that night. So okay, so it wasn't him. Although, yeah, from three to ten, could he be two hundred miles away? Seven hours, you could get that far away. Yes, so absolutely. It, I don't. I, I don't think that confirms his innocence. Okay? Did they ever confirm like what he was doing during that day? No, they can't. They have no idea. The last thing they know he did was put that seed truck in the shed. Sorry, no. I mean the is this oh, new Chase guy? Yeah, this, I mean this is the only thing in the 
the investigation that I can really see in like evidence wise. So I wonder, I'm like, if he's a if he's a suspect, I wonder if they asked him like, hey man, what were you doing when he picked you up? Like, <laughs> like why were you out there? I wonder if I kind of wonder if it was like a drug thing. Like, yeah. Okay, so Sunday, May 29th, Dylan had not called his grandma back. So the grandma called Don, who is a guy that had worked for Dylan on the farm and he was a family friend and called to check on him since he wasn't answering the phone, right? So Don and Jim, another farm helper, go to Dylan's farm and look for him, but they can't find him, okay? Right. So then the next day, Monday, May 30th, Memorial Day, this is when they realize he's missing. Don and Jim have not been able to find Dylan, so they let the grandma know. They say we can't. We don't. I don't know. Right. And grandma reaches out to JD, which is Dylan's best friend, to see if he had heard from him. And he hadn't. So JD then calls Candace at 11 a.m. on that Monday. So Candace then calls around to other family members. No one had heard from him since the grandma heard from him. Right. Um, then, of course, like we've talked about, they get in the car. They drive to Lucent. Now, Tuesday, this is where things get really freaking weird. And as a mom, I can only imagine how psycho this yeah. Tuesday, May 31st, the day after he is confirmed missing and they start doing search parties and stuff for him. Candace receives a call from a guy named Kurt who used to work for Dylan on the farm. No longer does, used to. Okay. And he is like panicking and is on the phone with Candace and says, these guys have him. The guy named Chase that was in the desert uh-huh. and another guy, can't remember his name, another dude just not really involved in the story they have dylan they have him hostage all this stuff he is absolutely crazy and he's like this is where they are they're at this guy's house chase has him they're holding him hostage against his will that is so scary right so candace is like well shit like what the fuck so she calls Justin, which is Dylan's dad, was also there. And so he calls Box Elder Police Department and says, hey, guys, you just got this call. Get over there. And they're like, oh, sorry, we're not Nevada. So you're going to have to call Nevada. And he's like, kidding? yeah, he's like, if you don't help me with this. I'm going to go there and take care of it my own damn self because you're not doing anything. So that forces their hand into calling the Montello area. What is it called? Elko Sheriff's Department or something. Anyway, so then they're like, hey, uh, we got this call from this family. This is what they said. Whatever. Isn't isn't like being helpful. Yeah. But then Candace calls Elko Sheriff's Department and says, hey, my son has been reported missing. This guy says that he's being held hostage take care of it help me find him blah 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 so then the police go to this house that he's supposedly at hurt this Kurt craziness gives them an address and says this is where he is he, they go to their house and they're like we got this report that you have this missing kid and they're like no we don't and chase wasn't there the bloody desert guy he wasn't there yeah and- only the guy who owns the house yeah yeah chase isn't here uh dylan's not here like i don't know what's going on like nothing's no one's here <laughs> and so it was like you're like can we search the premises so he's like yeah they'd search it no one's there just the guy who owns the place so this kurt dude causes all this commotion over hearing from a third person through the grapevine that a psychic medium said that he's being held hostage at this place freaking idiot not helpful no and he called the mom directly and said this is 
where he is. Send everybody. Like, I get that people get their answers wherever they want to get them. Yep. But hearing something from a psychic medium is not is not something that you should ever call the parents about. Exactly. You know, like, maybe the tip line, if you really feel like it needs to be shared. Right. Sure. Yeah. But to call directly the parents, like, that is so... That insane. poor mom. Like, I mean, the dad too, but I just imagine because she got the call and is like, this yeah. is where your kid is. They're holding him hostage. They and they're, like, fear. they're like, one, they know where he is so he can be saved. Two, he's in danger. So we have to save him. Three, the freaking box elder, police, whatever. Don't give a shit. So like, it's just like, all whole, of that was unnecessary. It's a whole like emotional torment that this stupid effing Kurt dude put this mom through and it pisses me the hell off. Do they know who this Kurt guy is? Like, is he friends of the family or is he just some rando? He just used to work with Dylan at the farm. So he's like not even whatever. He's stupid. Okay. So within the first week, that was only like the day after he's been reported missing. Okay. So search week one includes like the first week includes the Box Elder Sheriff's Department along with Weber County Fire and Rescue. They have helicopters, airplanes, ATVs, horses, and foot parties like everyone's and cadaver dogs. They search for six hours, call off the search because they were like pretty confident that by a three by five mile radius that they that he wasn't there. They couldn't find any sign of him. Two to three hundred search volunteers of all types searching on the Utah side, including five air searches until they ran out of fuel. So they're like exhausting as much as they can not only the search volunteers but the diesel brothers heavy d they got involved um searching with helicopters and they took video footage of tire tracks that they thought were something but it ended up being a volunteer's truck that had been searching for dylan so just kind of upsetting because they thought it could have been something but it wasn't uh they also drained the pond at dylan's farm and he wasn't there either yeah it really is just like no trace Right. It's like there's something, you know, something happened. There's enough weird evidence, you know, someone did something and know something. But it's like after the phone call with grandma, it's like he's gone. There's well, nothing. Okay. Think about it. So let's say, let's say he's just on his property near his truck or whatever. And let's say like another car pulls up and let's say that these people are there to abduct him for whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, why would they feel the need to erase their their tracks you know right like i feel like that was an extra step that it's like it's on why yeah yeah because it's like okay so let's say they didn't erase their tracks did they think that that would give it away and why would it give it away right so that makes me think like okay so is it somebody that he knows and they thought that far ahead to think we got to cover we have to literally cover our tracks so that yeah. they don't circle around to us. Because I feel like that's just such a weird extra step to be like, It is, it is an extra step that you're like, oh man, it's freaking me out. I don't know. So, and then, and also too, like they wear their tracks. If if the car pulled up to take him, where are the tracks from that vehicle? Right, unless they were on foot somehow. Yeah, but it's a pretty big property and, and kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and he's a 19 year old cowboy. You really think that one person could take him on foot? Unless it was a group of people. I don't know. Or, or someone, someone with a gun. Yeah, or someone with a gun. But don't you think that he probably had his own someone I who's out there? I know he did have one, but I don't think he 
had it on his person all the time. I think it was like in his trailer, but not. He had a pistol, I think, in his trailer, but he. I don't think he carried it normally. But okay, it's so, all so strange. Like I know, I know that we don't, we probably don't know anything. Well, and but- that's something that even the parents have said in interviews. They're like, we can't even give you a speculation because there's information that we can't say yet. But you can tell. Like I was watching his mom. Well, and his dad, but his dad just looked so sad. <laughs> but his mom, you can kind of tell that she like knows he's not okay. You know, like you can just see it. Like something has happened to him. Something and happened. Not- and his dad just looks like he's ready to fight someone. They probably know a lot more and they probably have come to the conclusion that maybe someone has hurt him because otherwise, where is he? Where is his phone pinging from like why isn't it pinging from anywhere it just doesn't look good so thursday june 2nd just a couple days after he is reported missing the family is told by detectives that they found a drop of blood on the boots not a lot but they hadn't tested to to know if it was his or if it was animal or if you know they don't know yet saturday june 4th chase venstra was arrested in davis county on unrelated charges so the blood guy the bloody guy in the desert yeah. he was arrested he's been he charged with be <laughs> yeah something unrelated he has been questioned by detectives as well as dylan's mom has talked to him and she really? does not believe that he's involved she believes that he's not in the greatest walk of life but not involved in what's going on he's just a mess then sunday june 5th the family was given permission by box elder sheriff's office to take the pickup truck they didn't do any forensic testing on it then Monday, June 6th, Dylan's boots are finally logged into the lab, freaking long enough. And then and then the Friday, June 10th, Candace met with Exo, Elko County Sheriff's Office. She meets with them for like five hours and they go over the case, they comb through it, and they finally agree to help additional resources for the search at this point. But again, yeah, Fox like, Elder. done this days ago. Right. Da, da, da. So this is a big theme in the Facebook page is like people are giving their assumptions or giving their ideas or speculations or whatever and then some people are taking this as a fact of the case mm-hmm. so that's why i'm reading from missing in america network.com's fact document because there's so much on social media of people speculating or making comments here and there that just aren't right or i've seen a lot a lot of comments about them saying that candace just wants her 15 minutes of fame are you serious i'm not not even kidding you and it pissed me the hell off and it pissed off the freaking admin of the facebook page she's like you guys have to be kidding me her son yeah. is missing so of course she's gonna be all up in the media trying to get him found you better course, be because she's not police- that's when you should worry the police aren't doing enough for him. Yeah, they're not doing diddly squat. So she's, she's getting up there being mama bear as she should, right. fighting for her son. And you know yeah. what? I think that if any of you went missing, you damn well better hope that your mom is out there fighting for you because the exactly. police probably aren't. Exactly. So week two. The search includes, they organized a search for a particular bunker. So like in this area, there are like preppers, people who have bunkers with supplies and stuff in them. So they are like, maybe he's being held in a bunker. So they went and found these bunkers and they were cleared. He wasn't there. Other areas of interest were searched by the Elko County Sheriff's Office and public volunteers. On, okay, on Tuesday, June 14th, Bonneville County in Idaho took Dylan's pickup truck 
in to custody. Finally, I don't, two weeks I don't later. think they tested it. I think they took it so no one else touched it just in case. I don't think they were actually running tests on it yet. Um, Wednesday, June 15th, the investigation is finally classified as a criminal investigation. The FBI then becomes involved on this day and they so they're the ones who classified it as criminal. They must have found something that signified sure, right? yeah, that was foul play. So yeah. did they find out like the, the blood on the boot? I, I haven't heard yet, honestly. They it, it was just a drop of blood so I'm not sure if they really did much with it. They must have found something that they couldn't deny that someone was involved. But I wonder if because Candace and Justin his parents were so loud and so like involved in trying to get the freaking police departments involved but I wonder if it's because two different states are involved then it can go to the FBI level because we have the Nevada town that he was in and then we have the loose in Utah that he was in so it's possible because it crosses state lines of the investigation so there's there's no territory it's the FBI now is involved I that's just me kind of thinking about it but so now that the FBI is involved on Saturday June 18th both of Dylan's campers that he had on his property were taken into police custody to do forensic testing finally mm-hmm. freaking finally okay sorry i'm taking up so much time i didn't even realize it so week three they didn't do any search parties because they were giving the fbi as well as a nonprofit group the EcuSearch. search uh, they are based out of texas they do nonprofit uh search and rescue to stuff so they were doing an investigation as well as the fbi and they didn't want a bunch of people kind of getting in their way so they took a week off of search uh, search parties so then friday june 24th they searched 18 mines and caves to confirm that he was not in them fallen in dumped in whatever have you the reward for information on dylan's missing case has been increased from twenty thousand dollars to one hundred thousand dollars wow one thing that pisses me off about the people saying candace wanted her 15 minutes of fame but there is not one gofundme out there for funding this is all out of their pockets from the family so they're not trying to get any money from this at all they're literally their only focus is dylan why would anyone accuse her of it just breaks my heart for her because all she wants is her kid like it just makes me so mad people are just so awful behind keyboards i think it's insane how grotesque people can be with their commenting i can't even believe it like it blows my mind how people think it's okay to say certain things to somebody just because it's not to their face blows my mind right there's just people who can't help themselves and they do it to people who they don't even know and it's just like it's sad that there are people that just think that they are more valuable because of the words that they say bring other people down right like does that make you feel better right does that really make you feel better right it's sad so there's a hundred thousand dollar reward for any information directly leading to the safe return or arrest and conviction of any person responsible for the disappearance of dylan rounds now there is a suspect currently 
now in custody. His name is James, also known as Jim Brenner. He has a history of being a convicted felon. On Thursday, June 16th, law enforcement served a search warrant on Brenner's trailer. He's a neighboring farm to Dylan. The charges say, quote, during that search, ball ammunition, ignition caps, black powder, and speed loads all related to, quote, muddle loading were located and photographed in the trailer, but the items were not seized at this time. On June 21st, officers went back to Brenner's trailer with another search warrant and more ammunition, a muzzle loader, black powder, ignition caps were seized by law enforcement. Then, June 23rd, James Brenner was charged in first district court with three counts of being a restricted person in possession of a firearm, which is the third degree felony. June 30th, James Brenner was charged in the U.S. District Court being a felon in possession of a firearm. And then on July 7th, which is about 11 days ago from today, a joint press release by uh, Box Elder Sheriff's Office and the FBI named James Brenner as a suspect in the disappearance of Dylan Rounds. Now, from what I've read, James Brenner was squatting in a trailer on... Dylan's property. Okay. Where he was swatting was very, very, very close to where the boots were found. Mm. Okay. Then an unknown friend that they don't name, uh, they call him DH, I believe. His initial okay, so so on July 7th was Jim's first initial interview with the FBI. Right. right after that interview, he goes to his friend, this DH person, and he says, hide my muzzle loader, hide all these firearms because I got in trouble with the law and they took everything I had. So so keep these for safekeeping. So this guy was like, okay, weird, but whatever. So then this DH person was interviewed by the FBI and he says, here's all the guns he gave me. Uh, This is what he said. He wanted me to keep them for him. You are a stand-up citizen. Right. This is what you do. Turn your friends in if they're in the shady shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) They are not worth keeping. Like they're not worth going to prison for. Exactly. So then- He's like, here's all the stuff. Okay. So then they get a search warrant for Brenner's stuff. Then they come back to the DH friend the next day and they, and he's like, oh, he also gave me a 22 rifle. I forgot to tell you, but I was going to keep it because someone that owns this owns me money. And so I was going to just keep it, but <laughs> you can have it. He also gave me this. Like so take it, but if you guys end up not actually needing it, I want it back because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in case you don't need it, uh, that guy owes me money and oh my I gosh. like level the playing field a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that's something that I would do. If so, if, if the right. FBI came to me and was like, do you have this? I'd be like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, if you guys don't need it after you put down with your fingerprints and whatever, like, <laughs> I want that. Right. So. Like, can you just give it to me? Okay. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, I will, we will post photos, of course. And we'll also provide updates if we hear anything new. But Dylan Round is 5'8". Nope. Scrap that. I don't know where I got those <laughs> letters from. Okay. <laughs> Numbers. Letters. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. okay. Dylan Round is 5'10". He weighs 160 pounds. He has brown eyes, brown hair, and he just looks like a little farmer boy. He's kind of cute. 
poor kid. Yeah, but I remember his picture. He he just looks like any other nineteen year old kid. Yeah, he just you know he's kind of small. Um, Baseball cap and flannel. Yeah, like he's just. If you know anything about what happened to Dylan, any information at all, please call the Box Elder County Sheriff at four three five seven two three. 5227. You can also email tips and information to finddylanrounds at gmail.com. Now, listen, don't say that you've heard something from a psychic that your friend talked to a couple weeks ago. That's not helpful. If you know, if you know where he is, if you've heard anything legit from a person, Or if you've seen him, please call the Box Elder County Sheriff's Department. But also, it's said everywhere. If you see something, say something. Even if you think a kid looks like somebody, you're like, okay, it's maybe not. But he fits the description. It doesn't hurt to say something. I'm sure they're getting calls and calls and calls. But for real, though, you guys, if you know anything, it's a small town he lives in. Someone else knows something. They have to. Someone. Someone does. They have to know something. Like how he disappeared. Okay, listen. This guy, if this Brenner guy did it, okay? Right, right, right. He's like an older dude. He's like 58 or something like that. So okay. he had to have removed if he d- if he hurt him. If he hurt Dylan, he would have had to remove his him from the area. Where would he have put him? What would he have done with him? Right? Well, you said the cadaver dogs searched a five-mile ra- radius, right? They did use the cadaver dogs in that five by set or three by five-mile radius in the first week. They didn't find anything. That's close to where he would have been squatting, though, right? Yes. About, I think he was five miles away of where he was squatting. But now listen, they didn't use tracker dogs, which could have picked up the actual scent of Dylan's belongings. So if they would have used tracker dogs at the time, they probably could have found something faster. But I also think, like, I I heard an interview that she did that Candace did with, uh, shoot, what's her name? It was a podcast with, oh, what's her name? crime stories with nancy grace uh, oh yeah podcast so she did an interview with her and you know she was saying it's too late you know hundreds of people have gone through the area but there was another case and i don't remember what they what it was called or who the person was but they were found by a tracking dog um over like where people pass on roads every single day so it's very possible that he it could still be picked up and i think it's worth a shot i don't know if they've used tracker dogs yet uh from what i could see they hadn't Um, But I think they assumed it was just kind of a lost cause. But I think it's possible that it's worth looking into that. But I think they were they were looking at doing something else. So this Brenner guy, it's Brenner, right? Yeah. So he is a suspect because of his like rifle being suspicious. But I also have more information that they're not sharing. Okay. Because so Brenner was squatting on his property but he was a neighbor of dylan so why was brenner on the property right yeah there's definitely somebody knows something it just blows my mind how he just disappeared like freaking susan powell how she's just gone right like how 
I just, I don't know. Okay. My story's over, but please, if you know something, say something, uh, share his face everywhere. Join the search parties. If you see them come up. Yeah. I will, I will make sure to share the link of the Facebook group for you guys to follow any new information. Um, but if I hear anything new, I'll make sure to share, but holy crap. I was like uh, thinking because, you know, missing persons can usually be a pretty short story. And so I was like, this is going to be quick. <laughs> and it's so recent, too, though. Like, yeah. for how recent of a story this one is, you had a lot of information. Like, a lot, but not a lot this same but that's time. His had parents, a story. That's because his parents are so up everybody's ass about what's going on. They're like, you're not going to forget my kid. I I hope if I'm ever in that situation that I am like that, that I'm like, nope, don't forget my kid's face. I'm sharing it everywhere. So they're like doing interviews in Idaho. They're trying to like share it in Utah. Sleeping. They're in Nevada. They're all over the place. And they're, yeah, they're not giving up. They're not going to let anyone forget his face. And I was like, oh, I just like, think that his parents are so badass and i love i just pray for a happy ending yeah it just breaks my heart for them and and so that's why like i hope that never in their situation but i hope that if i ever was that i'd be like them you know like i would just yeah never ever stop you know or if you went missing you'd hope that somebody would want to find you that badly right (laughs) not just be like You know, (laughs) the kind of persons people want to find. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Well, are you ready for my story? I am. Okay, so I sent you a picture. Okay. You want to describe what this building looks like to our listeners? I haven't got it Pretend like we're there. Oh, here we go. Okay. Have you ever seen this building before? It's in downtown Salt Lake City. No. Never? Does it look familiar like you've ever driven by it or... I've seen it. Is it the library? It's not the library. It's not a library. No, but I love buildings like that. I love like the old aged brick and like the the arched windows. Like it just looks so cool. Yeah, like it's like what you see now looks so square and boring. Literally, and, like- I wish I was on the East Coast sometimes because it's like their their buildings are so unique and interesting and built a million years ago, not really, but like, you know, built that has more foundation than ours. <laughs> yeah, all of our stuff looks freaking like daybreak looks all exactly the same. Like it's cute. Right. It's like the lake house whatever, but uh, it all looks so modern and like, it's fine. Cookie cutter the same. Like, we'd see it on, like, the yeah. Home Goods magazine. Yes. It's Home it's home Goods. But, right. like, I, I want to live in one of those. Definitely haunted. This building is haunted. For sure. For sure. And I even have video evidence no. of activity for this story. Really? I really do. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I'm, like, three glasses in, so I'm all about it. <laughs> Okay. I was wondering because like the way you're holding the glass is very like whooshy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a how has it not spilled yet? <laughs> yeah. Well now you can just sit back and relax. And I'm I'm here for it. And it's getting dark and it's just yes. perfect timing. I hope you get into the story because I'll tell you there's a lot of like I don't want to say a lot, but there's just it's history heavy, but there's still paranormal to it. So it's okay. like let's hear it. Okay. So we are talking about the Alta Club Hotel. Have you heard of it? Alta Club Hotel. No. Have you ever heard of the Alta Club? 
No. Okay. So the Alta Club Hotel, it's nicknamed by its members as The Club. It's located in downtown Salt Lake City. The exact address is 100 East and South Temple. So let's go through the history. Back in the day, like 150 years ago, uh, the mining in the Utah mountains blew up, for lack of better terms. Like, people came to Utah for the mining. Yeah. The founders of a lot of these different mines quickly became very wealthy. Yeah. But many of these men were non-Mormon and... Not allowed. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I guess, like, at the time, if you were a, a Mormon and a business owner you weren't usually working in the mines you were more like in the city and as started in the government offices early yeah it kind of seems like in the beginning the mormons and the non-mormons were very divided yeah and even socially like within like the millionaires like like the big honchos of all these companies and stuff like there was still a divide so the alta club was started because they felt like there needed to be somewhere for the non-Mormon business owners to go because the uh, Mormons had a place to go already because they had church. So it's where the house. real party's at. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they started hanging out at, di- at different saloons around town. That was just their meeting spot. They're like, well, I guess this is kind of our vibe. <laughs> yeah. So they hung out at different saloons and as their group began to grow, they realized that these saloons were not big enough to hold their party. It was too crowded. So they decided they're going to start a club and they were going to move it to a place where they could all be seated and be served dinner or be served drinks privately. The club was officially started on March 3rd of 1883 by a group of 81 different businessmen. In the first few years that the club was put together, Mormons were not allowed to be in this club. Originally, the club was situated in an area known as the Alta Block, and it's between Main Street and West Temple in downtown Salt Lake, so if you're familiar with that area, it was there, but it got torn down like in the 60s or something. And I want to show you, I want to send you a picture of what the Alta Block looked like. Okay. Maybe, hold on. So this is where it was originally situated in the top two floors of this building, known as the Alta Block. And the Alta Block was really just like a large commercial building that had storefronts on the first floor and then offices or apartments or suites or whatever it was for the rest of the building. It's like five oh, I see. Yeah, so they occupied the, the top two floors of the Alta Block in the beginning. Okay. Do you see the guy in the doorway? Oh, creepy. Right? It looks like it could be a ghost, but I bet it's just a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I'm just here. Like, why are you taking a picture? But that's creepy. Right. Imagine seeing like that as a ghost. Like if you were a ghost seeing this picture? <laughs> no. No, I mean like if you saw that apparition. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. That would ghost. Be if you're, like, in- <laughs> what if you saw this as a ghost? <laughs> oh. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. I gotcha. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so uh, in 1892, the club was relocated a few blocks down the street to the top of the Dooley Block. So they went from the Alta Block to the Dooley Block, and they stayed there for six years. Okay. After about five years of them being in the Dooley Block, though, they were like, okay, I think now is the time to get our own building. Like, let's not rent anymore. Let's get our, let's, like, build our own thing. 
Yeah. So in 1897, construction began on the new and current building. So the, the first picture I, I showed you, in 1897 is when construction began of that building. It was completed in less than a year, and it was officially opened on June 1st of 1898. Oh. So I sent you a picture of what the building looked like after it was first constructed, and then a build or a picture of what it looks like now. Okay. Uh, the building was designed by Frederick Albert Hale and was based on an Italian Renaissance-style arch- architecture. Huh. Meanwhile, during the hopping around between locations of the club, just three years after the the club officially opened or formed they began allowing mormons to join so the divide between the mormons and the non-mormon elites of salt lake city began to fade as they started doing more business deals with each other because they were allowed to be in the same club together okay so that really helped kind of smooth things over between mormons and non-mormons is seeing people as like leaders doing business with them. They're like, oh, so they're not all bad. Okay. Over the next hundred years, the local businessmen had a place to go that was elegant, that was private, and was men only. So wives and widows, they were allowed to be in the building, but they had to enter through a separate entrance on the side of the building. What? Because only men could enter through the front. And this was this way clear until 1985. Almost exactly a hundred years later, um, a woman named Megan Peters filed a lawsuit against the club saying that they were violating civil rights by not allowing women to join. Yeah. And especially considering how by then a lot of women in business, especially in Salt Lake City, had made huge strides, like as lawyers, as doctors, as politicians, etc. Like it was a huge slap in the face to not let women join at this point and to still make them go through a separate entrance. The argument that it was against civil rights was dismissed by a judge because it was a private club. So the argument was that, well, just like a private residence, you can allow who you want into your home. Just like with this private club, they can allow who they want into their club. Right. Like, it's not for me to decide. Um, So the whole thing was dismissed. But because the club didn't want bad publicity and they wanted to like basically shut the women up, they took a vote and they decided to allow women to join. So the first female member was Genevieve Atwood. And she was Genevieve. All right. A lot of people in the comments are like, Genevieve is such a badass. Right. Good for her. But (laughs) scared me. Oh my God. Gosh! Heard me from from this side. It sounded like someone was just like screaming. Oh, that was Philly. He does that whenever the neighbors go out on their deck. Yeah, basically goes and tells them to shut up. Oh well. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the first female member of the Alta Club was Genevieve Atwood, and she was. A Salt Lake City mayor, as well as Utah's head geologist. And so she was the person basically, like, the head honcho of Utah's earthquake team, basically. <laughs> so she was, she was the one to help us understand, like, how, how it works here and, like, what we need to do for earthquake safety. Okay. Over time, the culture in downtown Salt Lake City had changed, and not everyone was meeting at the Alta Club anymore. So the bar was, like, lack of better words, lowered for who could join the club. So it used to be, like, the elites of Salt Lake City that could join Uh the club. 
but then over time people just stopped coming so they're like okay well if you can pay the membership fees then you can be part of the club yeah right now like that's just how it is like if if they want people to join it's just really expensive so it's one of those things that if you have the money and want to spend it then go for it so you don't have to be anybody special what does it what does it get you though i wrote a list of all the membership inclusions okay (laughs) so there's free wi-fi whoa i know i know (laughs) so there's free wi-fi there's access to other clubs from around the world so i guess kind of like a timeshare i'm assuming where it's like they have a list of like places you can go and say okay well if you're traveling to louisiana we have a club that you can stay at there Okay. They have access, or if you are a member, you'll have access to the dining facilities and the catering services. And it's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So a lot of people use that for like business meetings. So like if you want to take somebody to lunch, but you don't want it to go, you don't want to go to like Applebee's, then members can go to the Alta Club and it's private, it's elegant. So, yeah, so there's that. And then (laughs) um, you'll have access to their private event planner. So if you're also wanting to host like a big convention or like meeting or whatever it is, then you have somebody on staff that's their only job is to help you plan that event. Okay. Um, You'll have access to their business center, uh, which is really just a big library. Like you have books and desks and phones and computers and copiers and printers and fax machines. Because rich people don't have those of their own. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you can just go buy your own office. (laughs) Or go to the library. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the hotel, so the Alta Club, that's like the main uses of it, but it also is a hotel. So there's 19 guest rooms and apparently they're like super bougie, like super fancy hotel Mm. rooms. Okay. Uh, Like some would say that they're the best in Salt Lake City. Oh, wow. Yeah. Some would Uh, say that? Is it people who are in the Alta Club? Well, I just saw the reviews on Yelp. So... And people were like, yeah, like they, people even wrote about the bathrooms being the best bathrooms in Salt Lake. <laughs> and I guess it's because like they literally have a guy that stands in the bathroom that hands you like a jar of combs and some towels. In your own bathroom? Not in the hotel. Sorry. <laughs> like in the, <laughs> the club, like in the I building. Like, I would not want that. Public bathrooms. Are I nice. see. I got you. Okay. could you imagine like going into your like like room like okay your room 11 it's like okay cool and you like you walk in like you walk into the bathroom and there's like some guy standing there with like a guy with a comb he's like that would be so creepy i'd be like you gotta leave man like (laughs) he'd be like i'm hired to be here like well i'll hire you to not be here right is it the same kind of bathrooms that like they'll they'll give you like perfumes and stuff? Maybe. Have you I seen that in like yeah. movies? Yeah, and like the crazy bougie hotels they have like perfume stations. I wouldn't be surprised because they said they even still have uh, shoe shining stations at this place. What? There's also a billiards room, a salon, and a fitness center. Huh. Um, so it's a rec center and a library all mixed into one. 
Yeah, really though. Uh, the club also features a rotating art exhibit. So, yeah. Wow. It's really nice. Oh, they also have game nights every Wednesday. <laughs> and they rotate trivia and bingo. So it's and also a old person's home. I think so. Like, I think that the crowd is probably older. Yeah. I think so. Because it says, like, the Yelp reviews, a lot of them mentioned how awesome the Christmas parties are. And it's like, you know that old people plan the best Christmas parties. Because they're, like, they don't have, like, a half-naked Santa. You know? They have, like... Class. Yeah. (laughs) It's warm cookies, little... Cheese balls. Yeah, and then, like, music that has, like, the old-timey Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yes. Listen, yep. I'm living in that whole <laughs> thing in my mind right now. <laughs> okay, well, the Alta Club, they throw the best Christmas parties. So when you're ready to party at Christmas time, you know where the best one's at. Well, Christmas is my favorite time of year, so if anyone wants to take me to the Alta Club for Christmas... Or if Josh is rich enough to be a member, then he could take you. There's no way he is, but he would try so hard. He would try so hard. (laughs) He just wants to be in in clubs, you know? He wants to be included. I could see Josh showing up and being like, do you guys have, like, a day pass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife wants to go to this Christmas party. Do you have, like, a one-day pass, like, the freaking rec like, center? <laughs> we'll bring something. Like, I'm sure this is potluck, <laughs> right? Pilot, right? <laughs> We've got a cheese ball or two. <laughs> okay, so that was fun, but let's talk about the deaths. Oh, so, yeah. in, in the 1950s, A man was smoking a cigar in one of the hotel rooms on the third floor, to be exact. And while he was smoking his cigar, he fell asleep and his room caught fire and he burned alive. Oh, my gosh. Was it spontaneous human combustion, though? No, they said it was his cigar. But then again, like forensics in the 50s, they were probably just like, oh, I burned down. Did the guy smoke? They're like, yeah. They're like, oh, well, that's probably what it was. But yeah, maybe it was spontaneous human combustion. Because that just happened. I mean, if they light on fire and they're just sitting there, if you light on fire, you're going to jump around and try to get it out. But if he fell asleep, though. But don't you think you'd wake up if you were on fire? I probably would. I feel like you would. (laughs) I probably would. Yeah. Let's not try it, but let's just assume that you'd probably wake up. Yeah, let's only speculate. Okay, so the entire floor, the entire floor was closed to occupants for 50 years. Do you feel like that's excessive? I feel like that's excessive. Which floor? The third floor, the one that he burned down with himself. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was unoccupied for 50 years. Five zero. Five zero. That's excessive, yes. That's excessive. And they had insurance money, because I I read that in the 70s, they got insurance money and, like, kind of fixed it up. But it's like, why not just, like, redo the whole floor? Because you're going to get revenue from that floor. Like, what money are you worried about losing? Like, you spend money to make money. But anyway, I don't know. Interesting. So do you want to know what motivated them to finally fix the third floor? Um, Money. Yeah, because, well, <laughs> money money and recognition, I guess, because in 2002 was the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, oh. and I guess the French delegation needed somewhere to stay, so they were like, hey, we have a third floor, 
<laughs> and they're like, oh, shit, we got to get it together. Literally, though, they, they, hurried, they just raised money and fixed it up so that the French delegation could stay there for the Olympics. Wow. Ever since they renovated that third floor, it has been haunted by what many believe is the man who burned alive. Dun, really? Dun, dun. Yes. Hmm. So some have claimed that they've seen an apparition of a man in the upper floors. So not even just the third floor, but like in the top floors. A lot of people claim to see an apparition of a man standing there. Some have said that the spirit of a woman is possibly in the basement of the building. But I didn't come across any deaths that were documented of any women in the building, so I don't know about that one. They think it's a woman because every time something happens down there that could be paranormal, usually the smell of lilac perfume will fill the room. Ooh, have you ever smelled Grandma Great? No. I have one time. Really? In my sleep, and I woke up to it. Really? Yeah. You know what keeps happening, though? What? Which, like, I haven't said this out loud yet. So okay. I hope, it, I hope this is exciting because I haven't told anybody about it, but only because I haven't known how to bring it up. But I feel like this is a good way to bring it up. Okay. <laughs> in my closet. So, like, we have, like, a built-in, like, shelf system uh-huh. kind of thing. Like, in the middle, there's, like, a bunch of shelves. And then up top is, like, a big shelf, right? Yeah. Like, above where you hang up your clothes. Yeah. So up there, that's where we keep, like... Christmas presents or like birthday presents <laughs> you're hiding yeah. kids or like things that you just don't want to have it go missing have it get broken whatever so like headphones go up there yeah anyway I have a box up there that I've been just keeping like heirlooms in because you know Gigi's she's been giving us like random things here and there just mm-hmm. as she goes so I just have a box that I've been just like collecting things in and in that box I've had for years these old like crocheted magnets that grandma Jacobson gave us Uh or that I got from grandma Jacobson and nothing about that. But ever since I started putting things in there that are grandma greats, that box will not stay up there. It keeps falling off. And I'm telling you, it's a deep shelf. Like it's as deep as my closet and I keep putting it up and like kind of hitting it back. Not so far back that I can't reach it, but it's back not gonna fall but every time I notice it it's on the floor and nothing can break because it's just like crocheted things and like a doll I think is in there and like maybe a ring is in there like, a, like you're jewelry. saying a doll is in there yes <laughs> oh my gosh I have all my heirloom stuff in a hope chest and if that thing started shifting around <laughs> I'd freaking lose it because, okay, my skeptic mind says maybe Mitch grabbed something from up there and, like, pulled. He just, like, if it fell, if that he wouldn't put it back? He probably would. I don't know. Or if, he, if it kept falling down every time he got something out of there, don't you think he'd, like, just move it somewhere else? That's why I think it's something else. Yeah. You should put, is it consistent enough that if you put, like, a little camera somewhere that it would happen? Maybe. I don't know how often it is. Like, it's ever since I basically, ever since Grandma passed away, really, or ever since I started putting her stuff in it, it will not stay up there. And it's kind of driving me nuts because I'm like, like, just stay up there, you know? Like, I've almost moved it, but I'm like, I don't know where to put it. That's not going to get ruined. So I just 
It would be interesting if you got like one of those cameras that are like motion detected. So it wouldn't be on all the time. It's only if something moves and then you could just put it like at the top of your closet and then see what happens. Yeah. Like put the camera up there. Yeah. That way nothing would move unless it moved or if you were getting something. Yeah. Like if you, you guys were actually like taking stuff out then you could see like what was causing it to drop. You should do it. Yeah, I'll have to. And I'll, I'll report back if I do. Okay. It's been like, it's like one of those things where it's like, am I crazy? Or like, is this actually happening? Yeah. And like, you just kind of like try to be like, no, like, there's no way that that's really happening. But then when you say it out loud, you're like, no, it's, it's been happening for a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you test it, you should like, tell us what you find. I will. And I'll, I'll even let you know what's in the box because, like, it's all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Take a picture of what's in the box. And then next time you see it on the floor, take a picture of it and put it on our Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start recording, like, journaling this. Yeah. How often it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Starting today. Okay. (laughs) All right. So. uh, Lilacs. Yes, so they believe that there is a a female spirit in the basement of the Alta Club because of the lilac perfume smell. Uh Like I said, there was no record that I could find of any deaths happening there that were female. But then again, they don't have to really die there, you know, like maybe it was... Well, was it... This might be like assuming, but do you think maybe it was like a brothel of some kind? Maybe. Yeah, because I, I didn't find anything really about that kind of stuff. But I was like, why would they need, like, a hotel room? Well, I mean, I guess I, I know why. Because, like, if people from out of town are visiting and need somewhere to stay, it was a nice place for them to stay. You know, yeah. it's a very posh place. But it's also, like, but if also females weren't allowed unless it was the widows or the wives. And by invite only and through a separate door... It's like, what else was going on there that the men didn't want the women to know about? That's what makes me think that it was like a brothel of some kind and like super top secret gentleman's club or something like that. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either because men get into weird stuff. Yeah. Why do men pay more when they think a girl looks good? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how like guys tip more like, oh, she's having a tip or more. But it's just like, but why though? Like, you don't owe her anything. that's just where my brain goes I'm like why are you doing that like that doesn't make anyway I understand that that's a good question I don't think men understand it either (laughs) they're like I don't know why I need to give you my money but you deserve it (laughs) you deserve it because you look nice yeah like that whole concept I don't get I don't get it and I, I I don't know I don't know I just feel like it's like a tips are called gratuity right they're just very grateful for your face (laughs) (laughs) thanks for that thanks (laughs) thanks extra for being nice to look at you're welcome right it's like i can't help it yeah sorry i just had to talk like us ugly ducklings over here like what the fuck (laughs) like i brought you extra water Right, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, the poorer you are, the uglier you are, I guess. No one's That's throwing- true. <laughs> the world is working against me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, shut up. That's so true. 
<laughs> Isn't that so annoying? Our men are so shallow. <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, I'm glad that I'm married because I wouldn't, I don't want, I would hate to date. Oh my gosh. I've been married for almost a decade and I can't even imagine what people go through to freaking find a man. I found Josh on Instant Messenger, which is like the very first, like, finding a man through, like, internet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, that's stupid. But, like, I would hate to date now, especially because, like, of how far filters have come along. Right? I look like a whole nother person sometimes, and I'm just like, I, Dang could, I can look like a 10 with the right filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's why I'm scared. So, I'm like, if I could look that good, like, someone else could look <laughs> really good. Oh, no. Never trust anything. Never. It's just how the world is now. You can't trust anything unless you see it with your eyeballs. Yeah. But even then, like, makeup has even come a long way. Oh my gosh, some of those things where people take off their makeup and they're like a completely different person. It's like, what? I mean, I haven't learned it. I haven't learned how, but I'm just, I just am who I am. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a whole bottle down. You got to do your story. I'm making this, I'm making this last forever. This, it's, we're fine. I'm at least in the paranormal section and I felt like it was very history heavy. So at least we're, past that hump so okay. we're good we're good okay so one thing to know about the female spirit in the basement is that she likes to make herself known or at least it because we don't really know if it's a female spirit but they like to make themselves known by tapping you on the shoulder oh and it's always a gentle tap and it's always a cold touch hmm makes it more eerie i think i feel like if i was being burned on the shoulder <laughs> I would think I would think that would be more scary than cold. Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess both would be bad because like heat, you think fire and hell. Cold, I think dead bodies. Well, yeah, but you assume if something that's not there is touching you, it's dead. So like if it's cold, it's okay. I don't want anything dead touching me. But remember when you had like a warm feeling on your hand when we were doing that investigation in Kimberly? Yeah. I feel like warmness makes me more nervous than cold. But that's just wanting you to be comfortable and for what reason? Yeah. But it's also (laughs) like, I, but, but we don't know the logistics of what it is to be a ghost because, like, can they decide whether they are cold or warm? Yeah. And is it based off of their environment or our environment? Or is it based off of what their intentions are, what cold and warm mean? Right, like good and bad. But who knows anything about anything until you die and then you can't tell anybody? Exactly. I'm sorry, move on. A video was posted on YouTube in 2018 by an employee of the Alta Club. Ooh, and this was showing an entire dumpster can. Like, you know those big, heavy ones that you go dumpster diving in? Yes. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> so they have security footage of this giant-ass dumpster can moving on its own in their back alleyway. Do you want to see this? Yeah. And I'm going to post this on Instagram. Okay, I sent it. Okay. And I want to hear your reaction. <clears throat> I got to pee. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. Here we go. What 
<gasps> Those are heavy. And it looks like it. Yeah, that doesn't look like wind or anything. Right. Wow. That is spooky. I found some comments in various places like Facebook groups and Reddit that a lot of former employees agree that this place is extremely haunted. One former employee said that they would often set up the meeting rooms late at night and she hated it because that whenever she was in those meeting rooms, she always felt like she was being followed and watched the entire time. Oh my gosh. Another former employee said that they would work the graveyard shift, so from about 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., and they said that most nights between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., so along the witching hour, right? Yeah. You would hear a piano start playing on the second floor. They were on the first floor, and they could start hearing a piano playing on the second floor. Oh, my God. As well as commotion like people like a large group of people are talking to each other like there's conversations happening in a large room so knowing that this isn't supposed to be happening since you know in the middle of the night yeah rush up the stairs to go see what's going on and as soon as they would hit the second floor dead quiet and no one's there that's that sounds like residual haunting which i feel like i would prefer that (laughs) Over the over, like what is it called? Intelligent haunting. Intelligent haunting, where it's like focusing on you, communicating with you. Wants to get a reaction out of you. Yeah, like a a residual haunting is just like something that has been there, and so I feel like that would scare me less. Yeah, I think. Well, they said that as soon as they would return back to the first floor, the noise would start up again. Oh my gosh! So playing with them, it's like they would go up silent. Come back down to start up again. So it's almost like they just weren't invited to the party. <laughs> so every time they went up, the party would stop. Yeah, they're like, shh, stop, they're coming, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's all that we know about the paranormal and the Alta Club Hotel. I hope that a paranormal team can get in there eventually and do some kind of investigation. But it sounds like their doors are pretty closed because it's a members only club but where they're so bougie too they're probably not looking for the hype of oh we're haunted because like that's more of a i don't want to say juvenile (laughs) like more of us less sophisticated bunch that like i bet that the only way that they're going to get people in there investigating would be if it's like a member who knows the owner who's into paranormal stuff and it's like, oh, I heard this place is haunted and like, let's get this team in here. Like, I could see it happening that way, but I think you're right. It wouldn't be like Zach Bagans going there and being like, oh, an episode of blah, the Alta yeah. Club, you know? Like, I think that they wouldn't want their reputation to be that. But here we are talking about them and making this kind of reputation (laughs) right like well but none of us can afford it (laughs) yeah maybe we should go to them and say listen we are poor but we will get people coming here right at least one person right okay if anybody is listening and is a member of the alta club let me and april be your plus ones but let's also realize that people who are rich enough to go to the alta club probably are not listeners of this podcast (laughs) listen april you don't know you don't know Listen, we have nothing to offer them (laughs) Um, but sheer entertainment and like wow i'm glad i didn't end up like them like yeah 
what you. This is what I could have done if I went down the wrong path. Exactly. This is why you stay in school. Okay. Listen, this is why I went to college. Is because I didn't end up like these two fools. Right. <laughs> That's why. I'm gonna need another glass of wine though, because this has been very fun. <laughs> Here, get a bottle of wine. Okay. I'll get a bottle of wine. Okay. And we'll drink them separately as we talk to each other. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to episode 24. April is a whole bottle of wine gone. <laughs> There's less than a glass left. Might as well just drink it right now. Chug, chug. Everybody say it with me. Chug, chug. I've always wanted to flick it off the top. Hold on. She's coming up for air. Coming up for air. <sighs> okay. Chug, 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 chug. Oh. You probably have wine, like, you don't have any wine drops coming out? No, I drank it dry. Uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back in a couple weeks for episode 25. I feel like we should do something for that milestone, don't you think? Like what, though? I I don't know. It's a quarter of the way to 100. I don't know what we would do. What's a 25-year anniversary? Like, what's the tradition? I don't know. Let me look it up real fast. Sorry. I'm going to guess. It's really important. I'm going to guess it's platinum. 25-year um, anniversary. Silver. Silver. Oh, I was close. Coveted for its radiance and brilliance, silver is the perfect precious material to commemorate a quarter century of shining love and commitment to each other. Yuck. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, okay. Well, we'll do something about silver. Maybe my, maybe my story will have something about silver in it. Maybe we'll wear silver teeth, like we'll do the gum wrapper grills. Yeah. <laughs> try to do a whole story with gum wrapper grills. Okay, well, thanks everybody for listening to episode 24. Um, where you have some fun things coming to you for next episode that we just came up with, apparently. So definitely tune in for next week or next episode. Um, if you have any personal stories, definitely write into us on our website at hauntandcold.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Haunt and Cold Podcast. And you can find us on Patreon, and you can get some free merch that way. So if you're like, man, these guys are dope, I really wish that I had a keychain, well... You can go on to our Patreon and become a member and get one that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think that's it. Oh, and on Patreon, we offer a you-never-seen-before video recording of an episode of stories international or otherwise not known in the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching you take the reins on this when I know that you know that later you're going to listen back on this and be like, oh no. But you know what? What? Those stories on On Deck at Dusk are going to be some of the wildest, some of the craziest. Oh my gosh. Enjoy. For those Patreon members, Brie and our dad. (laughs) Yeah. Two people. And I bet... It'll go down to one very soon. No. Who do you think is going to quit first, Bree or our dad? <laughs> um, I think our dad forgot that he's a Patreon member. Yeah. <laughs> <I'd> say Bree. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bree's going to be like, shit. Like, she remembers each month that that gets pulled out of her account. She's like, oh, I'm still paying for this. <laughs> I'm paying for these idiots to, like, yeah. do nothing but freaking. Then our dad's just like, I don't know what I'm paying for. I forgot my password to even log in. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> forgot his password. Guys, um, he's not even on episode 11 yet. Okay, well, I've got to pee, so this okay. episode has got to end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-kay, mm-kay, bye. Okay, bye.